This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world, both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to a boxing champ, and sports, music, culture, and family life. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Yo, yo. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Clip and Roll. I am your host, Justin Russo. I am other guy, S. Nishari, Sports Illustrated, Farbid. What is wrong with you? This is what happens when you make me do two in a week. Yeah, that's true. This is this is overkill for you, huh? <laughs> uh, this podcast is being brought to you by Bet Online, Indeed, and Blue Wire. Farbad, I don't know if people heard the news today. We are recording this on Thursday because the news from today: the Los Angeles Clippers have a new head coach, and for Wait, the first they time, have, they don't have Doc Rivers anymore. I was going to say, for the first time under Steve Ballmer, they do not have Doc Rivers as their head coach. Isn't that weird? It's a little weird, right? I left my TV on pause when they were up 16 points in game five against the Nuggets. Are you trying to tell me they don't win that game or something? Oh, you haven't missed much. You're fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, you're doing well. Um, They hire Ty Lue today. Around noon time, it drops. Ty Lue agreed, this is according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, Ty Lue has agreed to a five-year deal to become the next head coach of the LA Clippers, sources told ESPN on Thursday. Five years. Last year, he turned down a deal with the Los Angeles Lakers because he wanted five years and they gave him, only wanted to give him three. And he wanted a salary starting around $7 million a year, which was commensurate with what other championship level coaches had earned. And he wasn't getting that from the Lakers. So for a year, he's under Doc Rivers again with the Clippers. And he ends up getting the job that his mentor, Doc Rivers, had after the Clippers 17 days ago. Jettisoned Doc Rivers to the nether realm, which is now, I guess, known as Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And in doing so, the Clippers, according to The Athletic and league sources reporting to The Athletic, that while financial terms of his agreement with the Clippers were not immediately disclosed, his contract is for five years and believed to be in the $7 million range annually. Uh, that is according to uh, Jovan Buha of The Athletic and Joe Varden in a joint article with sourcing. So 
Farad Tyloo is going to be here for the foreseeable future. I don't know if he's going to coach all five years because who knows, but Tyloo's 43 years old, a championship winning head coach, coaches a modern style of basketball, was just around this team this past year. When you look at everything, this is probably the one hire that made the most sense, right? I mean, it was either this or completely cleaning house. It was one or the other. Yeah, I mean, which is kind of funny because it was either it was going to be one or the either either one or the other either way. Like if if it wasn't Ty, it wasn't going to be anybody else in the staff, you know. I and it's funny. It feels like anytime someone coaches or someone coaches LeBron James, they kind of don't get their due. So like Mike Brown never got his due. Um, and he kind of blew it with the Lakers in my opinion. So that's why he, he continues to not get his due. And then Ty Lue never got his due and he never really got a second chance. And then Spolstra never got his due and is finally getting like the credit he deserves in the last two years, especially this year. And so it's, I think this is a big moment for Ty to show like he can, you know, he is a good X's and O's coach. He can do it without LeBron. It wasn't just LeBron. It's, uh, so it's interesting to see the, the 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 relationship LeBron has with coaches. It feels like this year was the very first time a LeBron coach team and Frank Vogel got the credit he deserved right from the jump. Yeah, I would actually agree with that. And it's always funny. So like I'm going to throughout the course of this podcast, I'm going to be giving you find people a little bit of statistical data on Ty Lue. So just bear with me when I mention something. For instance, what I'm going to mention right now is when Ty Lue was the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, he coached 41 games the last half of the 2015-16 season when he took over for David Blott, who got fired uh, in Cleveland after leading them to a finals appearance and then halfway through a second season. So Ty Lue takes over perfectly and coaches just – it's weird because like he gets fired after 41 games and then Ty Lue takes over for literally the last half of the season, which is kind of a fun way to do this because now we have a sample size of half of the season before Ty Lue, half of the season after, and then obviously the two full years uh, of Ty Lue afterwards. Well, in the half season that he started and the two seasons that came after, the Cleveland Cavaliers had a top five half-court offense under Ty Lue in all three stints. Now, everyone might hear that and go, well, of course, he had LeBron James. And I don't disagree. LeBron's going to make your life so much easier. However, I would also say Frank Vogel and the Los Angeles Lakers had LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and they were tied for 18th in half-court offensive rating this season. So Ty Lue obviously has something to his style that could unlock an offense better than other coaches. And in fact, if you go off of uh, B-Ball Index's coaching optimization ratings, Ty Lue is second only to Steve Kerr in, in offensive optimization since 2013 and third overall in optimization behind only Kerr and Nick Nurse. So you have three championship winning coaches right there. And Ty Lue is top two in offensive optimiza optimization this is a guy who knows how to get the most out of offenses. So I'm really pumped for that because the Clippers did have, despite being such a good offense, they were top five in offensive rating this year. They still had offensive stuff they had to work through. And I feel safer with Ty at the helm for that than I do with Doc. Well, I mean, their offense was fine, but it also felt like their offense just in Marcus Morris said it himself. Like, 
we were out talenting people. We weren't out playing them. We were just out talenting them. So it just felt like a lot of times our offense was like, hey, Kawhi is really good. PG is really good. And Lou can be really good. That's the offense. Yeah. Um, it, it did seem like guys were taking turns every now and then. And I, and while there were will be turn taking under Ty Lu, I think everything's going to be a lot more harmonious on the floor. For instance, according to Cleaning the Glass, the Clippers were only 17th in three-point rate this season in the regular season. It means uh, the, the percentage of shots that they were taking overall that came from three. So they were 17th in the league. It was even worse in the postseason. They ranked 14th out of the 16 teams. That's not good. So something had to change. And by bringing in Ty Lu, you look at his Cleveland stuff and Farbaud, they shot threes at a top five rate under him all three years. In 2015-16, when he coached half the season, they were third. In 2016-17, they were second. In 2017-18, they were fourth. So they take a lot of threes. He knows how to get them quality looks. And I'm going to let you take over for a second to to say what you got to say. But I will say this. Getting quality looks for your team is never bad. No, I'm a little bit more scared of them shooting threes because in game seven, they had a lot of quality looks from threes. They just didn't go in, right? They they missed a lot of wide open shots, like the whole playoff. So I'm kind of a little bit opposed to having them shoot more threes. I liked what the Lakers did. I liked I liked Anthony Davis and LeBron taking it in the inside and mixing it up between taking the inside and shooting a three. They just happened to make a gazillion threes in the finals. That just kind of happened. But personally, I don't I don't think the Clippers need to shoot more threes. I think they need to have a more varied offense. That's just that's more than just jumpers. That's that's my two cents. Because I saw them miss way too many wide open threes. And I've seen the team in 2015 have wide open threes and miss all them too. So like I'm I'm at the juxtaposition that when it comes with Murphy's law with the Clippers and three-point shooting, it's it's going to happen in in the playoffs. They just go cold. It's it just kicks in. I understand your point and I understand why you feel that way. But can I give you numbers that will make you actually feel a little bit better about this? Nothing will make me feel better about the Clippers shooting three-pointers, but go ahead. It's not just about shooting threes. The other thing that Ty Lue did in Cleveland, as I I said, he he got his teams to take quality shots. Well, cleaning the glass has a metric called location effective field goal percentage. So based on what your shot location is, just even the league average effective field goal percentage from that location. So the higher your location uh, effective field goal percentage, the better quality looks you're getting. In 2016-17, the Cavaliers were seventh. In 2017-18, the Cavaliers were fifth. The Clippers this season in the regular season were 19th. And now you're probably thinking, well, yeah, they take like those Cavs teams took threes. That's also not just the only thing. They did not take mid-range shots primarily. And you end up looking through the Cavs, uh, the Cavs numbers. They shot at the rim quite a bit. They shot threes quite a bit. They really didn't take too many uh, mid-range jumpers. So while, while Kawhi Leonard is a mid-range specialist and Paul George can do it and Lou Williams can do it and all these things. They now have a coach who can get them to fine-tune 
along the edges on the, on the periphery to get better shots as an offense for not just the superstars, but for guys like Landry Shamit and Avica Zubats and Marcus Morris, if he comes back and Jermichael Green, if he comes back, they're able to get guys in the spots where they can succeed. And that's something I feel really good about going forward with this hire. Would you argue, I was thinking about it, feels like Doc Rivers always looked at his best when he had a short staff team. Like when he had like a team that wasn't supposed to do well, that was either injured or didn't have that much talent. So like his Orlando Magic team that went up 3-1 or for instance, you know, the 2018 and 2019 Clippers, like he always manages to bring out the best in guys like DeAndre Jordan, Montrez Harrell, uh, Tyrone Wallace, like guys you wouldn't expect anything out of that become studs. And then he always looks his worst when he has too much talent. Is how it feels. Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches in the NBA today and of all time. I would also classify, and I'm not trying to crap on Doc. Like, I don't want it to sound like that. I think Doc is a tremendous floor raiser. Your floor with Doc Rivers is very high. Your ceiling is also small, is also uh, lower because of that, because he knows he only trusts certain guys. And that's kind of thing. You're right. He did his best job 2017, 18, when they went 42 and 40 and they had the hodgepodge group of G leaguers and all that stuff next year. You know, the last season prior to this one, they win 48 and they and they get the Warriors to six games. You know, like those were his two best years with the Clippers in my mind. And maybe it's because the expectations were lowered. But that's just honestly how I look at it. like those were the years I looked at him and said, that's the coach that they traded a first round pick for. That's the coach that we believed we were getting. I didn't feel like while he got a lot out of the team this season with their injuries and all this other stuff. And the, and the lineup changes and all this stuff. You saw in the postseason the warts that come from a Doc Rivers team. And with Ty Lue, I don't see the same warts. That doesn't mean there, that doesn't mean there won't be warts. I just think Ty's are a little bit more manageable than Doc's because Ty is willing to adjust and he's willing to learn and adapt to things on the fly. It does seem, though, like... From from what I've seen online, the reaction to Ty Lu is very 50-50. Like some people either really like it, some people either really hate it. It does seem like a lot of Laker fans are laughing at it, which I don't really understand why Laker fans are laughing at it. I'm assuming it's because he turned down a job at the Lakers, so they're just taking it personally. But it's been a very polar reaction already. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people, fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. 
Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day every day head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses don't forget to use the promo code bluewire at betonline.ag that's bluewire all one word bet online your online sportsbook experts we also found out today that joining Ty Lu reportedly on the staff for the clippers will be chauncey billups who was working with Fox Sports Prime Ticket as a color analyst for the Clippers games, and also Larry Drew, who was an assistant coach with Ty Lue in Cleveland for several years, and even during the 2017-18 season, when Ty Lue took time off for medical reasons, Larry Drew helped coach the Cavs to an 8-1 and record. Larry Drew also has um, history in the NBA, uh, being three years the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, a year with the Milwaukee Bucks as a head coach, and 2018-19 head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So this is, this is a staff that Ty trusts. Um, Chauncey's like one of his best friends. And there was a report today in the athletic, like I said, from uh, Joe Varden and Jovan Buha. One of the things that was interesting in there and have, wait, have you read the article? Nope. I don't know how to read. Well, yeah, that's why you, that's why you talk. That's why I write, but I, I can't read what I write. That's why you don't proofread baby. Listen, if you, if you don't proofread, you can't find mistakes. Just like if you don't get a COVID test, you won't get sick. Exactly. See, we're, we're next level, buddy. Uh, as I got reported in here, Lou spent the first two months. This is me quoting from the article directly. Lou spent the first two months of the pandemic at Billups home, home, home. I must try to say house and home together in, at Billups home in the Denver area, teaching Billups what he knows about coaching. What that tells me more than anything rather even beyond them being friends and and all this stuff Ty Lu wants to teach people and takes pride in helping others and that is something i think you want out of a head coach because if he's willing to help someone uh someone who wasn't even on his staff at the time and help them get better at coaching that means he can help players and other coaches get better and he might see things that others don't i you know it's going to be it's going to be very very interesting like i feel like everything he's going to do is going to be under 
an extreme microscope, like an extreme microscope. It just, I can't imagine it's going to be a fun job though, to be totally honest. It's not going to be a fun job, but Ty Lue has been here before with the Cavaliers taking over for a guy who got them to the finals. There was a lot of, you know, hoopla around Ty taking that job. And what did Ty Lue do? Yeah, they were down 3-1 in the finals, but he came back and helped them win. And I understand everyone is going to point at the LeBron James stuff. Like, LeBron's the reason Ty Lue has his, has his championship. I get it. I get it. Ty Lue also did a hell of a job coaching those Cavs teams. When they lost players, whether they traded them away like Kyrie Irving or the team got older with, with uh, Richard Jefferson and Kyle Korver and they were just aging, and he still got the most out of them. They were still elite offenses. They were still elite half-court offenses. He got so much of And I got to be honest with you. I spent two hours today, an hour and a half today, watching through... Ty Lue uh, sets, sets that he ran with Cleveland. So before you keep going, what I want you to do is there's a lot of people, whether they're Laker fans or Clipper fans or whoever, I've had a lot of people be like, that's not a good hire. Convince them why it is. Ty Lue was doing stuff in Cleveland that um, I'm not going to say was ahead of his, ahead of its time, but he was able to get a team full of guys to buy into a system where, yes, LeBron James is the quote-unquote ecosystem to some degree. But there was another ball handler there in Kyrie who needed his his touches, and Kevin Love needed his touches. And he got all three guys to buy in and work so well within the system. They didn't lose a single game in the second round. You know, he won like his first eight postseason games, which like never happened in the history of the NBA. This is a guy who can get the most out of people, people on the periphery. I'm talking Landry Shamit. You got to remember, he had J.R. Smith in Cleveland. What did J.R. What do J.R. Smith and Landry Shamit have in common? They're both excellent off-ball movers who are great perimeter shooters. Well, there's a guy who can do what J.R. Smith did. Maybe he's not J.R. Smith level athlete, obviously. But he can do the things that JR could do on offense, and he's a smart guy. Landry's a smart kid. I, I say kid, but you know, he's a smart basketball player. He knows where to be, he knows when to cut, he knows how to attack closeouts, he knows all these things. You get Evita Zubots. Well, there's your Tristan Thompson role. There's your heavy screener. There's your great role guy. There's your off-ball cutter when when they try to help to collapse into the paint. Like all these things that he can do. There's your rim protector. You know, and then you look at Paul George. Paul George is going to be used a little bit like Kyrie Irving was, in my opinion, and a little bit like J.R. Smith was off the ball. Ty has this ability to get guys to buy into the system. I watched so much stuff today, Farbod, that every single time I watched, I watched horns action from them. I watched with AI cuts. I watched uh, the ball screen variations. I watched elbow stuff. I watched uh, pick and roll stuff. He, he even runs a side Spain pick and roll uh, at times. So this is like, he has a good, amazing out of bounds sets where, I watched six straight plays of Matthew Dellavedova diving right into the rim to get layups out of uh, short clock situations on baseline out of bounds. Like he, he's, uh, I'm not going to say he's a master tactician. 
He's a hell of a tactician, though. He's a hell of an X's and O's guy. And I think what you're going to hear over the next little while is he's going to get pigeonholed into like he's this master motivator. The players love him. He's this he's this locker room guy and all this stuff. Do not sell this man short on X's and O's. Seriously. This guy thinks the game at a high level. And I'm excited for this because while I was excited when Doc Rivers was hired and I saw the stuff he did with like pistol action, all this stuff, Ty Lue does some of that same action. But Ty's got all these other variations with uh, LeBron at the elbow as a playmaker. You could see uh, Kawhi Leonard doing that and even Paul George. Like he had a set where um, he would post LeBron up at the elbow, kind of post. He, he He would stand there at the elbow on a handoff. Kevin Love would set a screen uh, in the far side corner on some of them, and some of them they were the near side corner, but he would set a screen in the corner for, let's say, Richard Jefferson's man. And every time that you would think that Jefferson was going to flare off of it or cut, it was actually Kevin Love dummy screen to slip it and roll to the rim for an easy layup because they had to overplay the screen. Like Ty thinks games at a level I wish I could get to and never will. So... I'm really excited for this. I'm excited for the offense. And that leads me to the defense. And I understand I've been talking for a while and you need your section talk. I will say this though. The defensive side of the floor is the side of the floor that people should pay attention to as well. Because there are some issues defensively, even though they were a top five defensive team this past season, they need to have a better idea of what they're going to do with pick and roll schemes and, stuff like that. And in the article from the athletic quote, the Clippers will experiment more on the defensive end, mixing in more zone coverages and varying pick and roll schemes. That's what I wanted. And it sounds like I'm getting it and I'm happy. Honestly, I wasn't too, I feel like I wasn't too peeved about their defense. A lot of times like, yeah, you'd have like the shake Milton or something go off on them or Marcus Morris, but it felt like a lot of times, even against Denver, they'd play good defense and it would lead to bad offense, and then that bad offense would lead to bad defense. It snowballed. It was always bad offense leading to bad defense. It was always like, oh, that's a dumb shot. Okay, now they're on transition. What are you going to do? Like, I could swear there were numerous times where I'm like, cool, they just got five stops in a row, and they didn't score once. <laughs> like, five stops in a row. Like, even game seven against Denver, there was a point where they got – so many stops against Denver and just couldn't score to save the life of them. So personally, I'm more concerned on the offensive end than the defensive end because I just want them to have better offense than than like everybody take their turn. Like at some point there needs to be more ball movement. And the issue is sometimes they did have ball movement and they'd get a wide open three and miss it. So maybe a ball movement to penetrate the rim because Every look Jermichael Green got was like wide open during the playoffs. Felt like a majority of the looks Landry Shamit had was wide open. Lou Williams had a bunch of wide open looks. Like they got a lot of looks and from decent offense too. So it just there just needs to be a more varied offense. Um so this is from Kevin Pelton of ESPN. Here's an interesting thing. Uh per second spectrum, the Clippers switched the third most picks during the regular season. And in the postseason, it, uh, while they still did switch quite a bit, they they allowed 1.0, 1.04 points per chance on switches, which ranked 11th out of the 16 teams, according to Synergy, uh, second spectrum tracking, excuse me. 
Um, the Clippers have the ability to switch across the board if, if everyone's pretty much retained. Um, the thing is, and he mentions this too, quote, I'd recommend Lou spend much of his limited practice time working on mastering the switch defensively. Here's the thing. The Clippers did not practice at really at all under Doc Rivers. And it was one of the things that drove me crazy. They just never practiced. They never practiced. And with Ty Lu, I know they're going to practice. And that's what I want because practice breeds good habits. The more you drill something down, the more likely you are to not be out of sorts when you have to do it in high pressure situations. And what did the Clippers look out of sorts doing in the postseason? Almost everything in high pressure situations because they didn't practice and they didn't have the guys available to practice, which isn't all Doc Rivers fault for the guys not being available. It's just they should have just practiced more and they needed to practice more. And Ty Lue is going to make them practice. And that's something I'm, I'm another thing I'm thrilled about. Well, I think if you need any other if you need any salesman, it, it would be you. You have the Ty Lue stock. And here's the thing. I'm not saying Ty Lue's leading the Clippers to a title. I just think Ty Lue's better than Doc Rivers and will not make the same mistakes Doc Rivers made. That doesn't mean Ty Lue isn't going to make mistakes. He will. Every coach does. You could, you could quiz every team, every fan base of every team, and they would find something to gripe about with their coach. Remember for Warriors fans with Steve Curry, it was like they weren't putting Steph Curry in enough pick and rolls. Remember that thing? I like, mean, even Frank Vogel, I mean, game six or game five, the lineup that he let Danny Green, uh, Markeith Morris somehow blow it. Like everybody does something. Everybody does something. Everybody, everyone makes mistakes. And I, and I try to forgive people for the mistakes they make unless you repeatedly make them. And when you repeatedly make them, it shows you need to learn. And if you can't learn, you have to go. And ultimately, that's what happened to Doc Rivers. So I do think there's going to be interesting things with Ty Lue that he's going to have to figure out. But I am excited about this team for the upcoming season because of him, because I think he does raise the ceiling on them. And it's going to be interesting to see in the regular season, whenever that starts, which is looking like MLK Day. Um, it's interesting to see how many minutes Paul George is going to average, how many minutes Kawhi Leonard is going to average, who obviously else is on the team, all these things. But for right now, on this day, I think the Clippers got better. This was your chance to make a raise the roof joke instead of raise the ceiling, and you didn't, and I'm disappointed, and I'm going to go home. Well, it wouldn't be life if I wasn't disappointing somebody. It wouldn't be, uh, I mean, Friday night's tomorrow, not tonight, buddy. Okay, would you relax? <laughs> I understand I've been over here selling Ty Lu for the last 29 minutes or whatever, but look, I just... I think he was the right guy. He had the pedigree. He had the X's and O's. He had the player buy-in. I mean, you heard it from, you heard it today. You know, uh, Lou, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, Lou had significant support among key Clipper players in the search process. Sources said, this is a guy who the players liked. Ladies, if you're listening to this, which I don't know if there is, Get you a man who thinks of you the way Justin thinks of Ty Lue. That's all. I've also, just, I've also just watched so much Ty Lue film recently that I'm kind of just sold on him. Then the get other thing you I want a man who watches so much film of you, okay. like what, Justin what? watches of Ty. What are you doing? Okay, stop, 
stop. That's creepy. What are you doing? Um, According to the Athletic article, quote, the Clippers consulted Leonard and George on the candidates they were considering and what qualities they saw in a head coach, league sources said. Neither player wanted the final say on the decision, but both offered to share their input if the Clippers saw it necessary. Ultimately, both players told the Clippers that they trusted the front office and were on board with Lou's hiring, believing he matches the criteria of what the team needs moving forward, league sources said. Your two star players said they were 100% comfortable with Ty Lue. I'm comfortable with Ty Lue. Are you comfortable with Ty Lue? I'm just going to let you wrap it. That, that was such a good sales pitch. I had nothing left to say. I feel like the Arby. Yeah. Like, like the Arby recruiting poster from like the 40s. Yeah, I, that's where you're from, but. Thanks. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, hey, we have good news, Farbod. I, I don't know. Beyond the Ty Lue stuff, you ready? No. We got through that Paul George retrospective before Ty Lue got hired, so we didn't have to cut off the Paul George one again. Oh shit! <laughs> we were close. We were we were we were pretty close. It was forty eight hours. We were we were uh, tapped in fate there. Yeah, if we did, if we didn't do it sooner than usual, I think we would have probably would have cut it off. Yeah, and then tonight we would have just been yelling at each other about how we had to do this and push Paul George back another another week or so. Um, look, I like the Ty Lue hire. I'm going to be doing a video breakdown of the Ty Lue hire in the next couple of days. Um, I'm actually looking forward to it to see what like the, the more nuts and bolts stuff that I can get into. I, I will try. Um, be optimistic. But also understand it's going to be a process. Um, I really like the Ty Lue hire and I think it raises the roof of the team. There you go. You happy now? I hate you. Okay. I mean, you're not alone. It raises the roof of the Los Angeles Clippers for the foreseeable future. They gave him a five-year deal. I don't know if he's going to coach all five years, but you got him locked in, and that's all that matters. So new head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers is here, people. Take joy in that. It's a guy who's been around the Clippers. He knows the players. He knows the team. He knows the front office. He knows the, he knows the governor slash owner, Steve Ballmer. Um... High acumen, high coaching acumen, great X's and O's, great, uh, great leader. And I'm, I'm really as excited as I am for Ty Lue, and I'll end it on this. As excited as I am for Ty Lue, I am equally as excited for Chauncey Billups. A hundred percent. That's the hire beyond Lou. That's the hire that I'm just absolutely stoked about. Stoked guys you're ruining my evening you ruined my buzz man stoked i took an edible and you're just messing it up (laughs) edibly stoked okay and the reason i'm the reason i'm pumped about it though is um i almost said stoked again and i just couldn't do it the reason i'm pumped about it is when you watched clipper games on prime ticket Chauncey, you could tell Chauncey really understood the X's and O's as you as you would assume he would as a former player, point guard, finals MVP, high, high level thinker of the game. But he could explain it to the people watching so that they could understand it. And that's the stuff I love. If he makes you understand it, if he can teach you and you're just a fan just think of what he could do for the players who are there every day and eating, breathing, living it. 
the sky's the limit. And I'm really pumped for this. I like this coaching staff already. Stoked. Okay. You don't, you don't have anything to add, do you? I, it's just been me for 34 <laughs> minutes just rambling and you're just over here cutting jokes. Stoked. <laughs> All right. You got anything for the good people before we go? I'm stoked. <laughs> I don't have anything else because you're killing me right now, Smalls. Oh, let's do this. Last episode, we ended with the with the famous quote, which you you did the Matt Barnes quote. What quote you got for us tonight? Win by an inch, win by a mile, winning is winning. Fast and the Furious, book it. All right, baby. We're out of here. Everyone take it easy. Have a good night. We'll see you all next time. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.